All right, so we're all ready to start? Yeah, what's on the agenda? Okay. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I am Alex. And I am David Tovarish. (laughs) As you may have guessed from a couple of comical Russian accents, the item (laughs) on our agenda today is the agenda, part one. The first part of the three-part season two finale. In what? Oh man! These these are you know spoilers. This episode is really good, and this three-parter is really good. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, this first aired uh, March 11th, 1998. It was written by Bob Forward and uh, directed by, uh, I believe that's Joel Schumacher, which explains why everybody has uh, nipples and why <laughs> Megatron has a really thick Austrian accent and no. keeps uh, speaking in dinosaur puns. No, it, it's, yeah, I, I, was, I was wondering why Cheetor had those nipples on his, his little furry chest piece. Ugh. I have a bone to pick with you, Optimus Primal. <laughs> <laughs> A maximal credit card? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sorry. That joke was also from 1998. Uh, It was actually directed by Cal Schumacher. It is spelled differently. Schumacher? I just really wanted to do that joke. Yeah. Uh, First item in my notes, make Joel Schumacher joke. (laughs) (laughs) The, The first item in my notes is Bob Forward means it is either an important episode or a fart joke. Uh, it, well, not fart jokes, but it's kind of both. It uh, does have some good funny bits. Yeah. Long-term viewers may remember that uh, Jen keeps mentioning a bit the period of time in which uh, it, was the, it was the network censors last week. Now I think, I'm pretty sure this is the episode from that week. Yes. 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 Apparently at, at one of the botcons... I forget whether it was Bob Ford or Larry DeTilio, but one of them said that, I mean, okay, Rat Trap is super filthy in this episode. Oh, yeah. And he was, they they were asked about that, and apparently this was like, I guess it wasn't a network censor because it's it was syndicated. And it was internationally syndicated, but they had an in-house person at Mainframe whose job it was to, you know, basically tell them what what they needed to to scale back on and what was okay. So it was like sort of an in-house censor uh, who presumably was versed in broadcast standards and practices and whatever. Uh, and, and apparently this was that person's last week. So <laughs> they just sort of hand-waved everything through. Um, and, and you can tell because, yeah, this, this, episode, <laughs> this episode gets a little... Uh, questionable at times also this episode i swear by itself probably contains half of the euphemisms for butt that were established in the entire beast war series there is a lot of butt in this episode (laughs) (laughs) there there are a lot of euphemisms for butt in this talking about broomstick up your tailpipe and yeah 
it's a good episode. It's really, really filthy for a children's show. Oh, yeah. So anyway, we open the episode as we began the season uh, with bits of Optimus Primal's corpse floating through space. Well, no, no. We we start with a ring exploding out of Star Killer base that's just expanding through space. Hey, no, that didn't yeah, have the ring. That's I know special it edition didn't, thing. But that's what my notes <laughs> say because it's more relevant. Stupid yeah. special edition. Those those were bits of Optimus Primal, weren't they? Yes. Holy crap! Yeah, it's definitely that. his chest plate. I mean, he di- he died. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, we don't see his screaming head the way we did in uh, other voices, but. Uh, yeah. There are definitely bits of him floating around. I mean, that's the thing, is he didn't come back because he didn't die. He he died, and he blew up into bits, and some of those yes. bits we get to see again. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Optimus, yeah, this... remember that transwarp explosion? Okay, Hard to stupid forget. question. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, Rhinox. Yeah, so he is tracking this transwarp wave, which is heading through both space and time somehow. Yeah, what I don't I'm I'm trying to figure out how Rhinox is doing astronomy with a joystick. Yeah, Listen, Rhinox, is, a weird Rhinox is really smart. Yeah, he looks like he's got some sort of like really hardcore Eve online setup going here. Yeah, he's it's got a joystick with, with like flight controls and multiple buttons on it, and he's just staring at an astronomy map of Cybertron and its accompanying moons and stars. Optimus, it's this like man is playing Galaga. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'll using Renex here in mainframe by proxy. That that kind of joystick actually does make for a decent 3D camera control. Oh, yeah, there you go. Especially if it's one that has like the twist built into it, where you can actually control something by tilting it left and right instead of or twisting it left and right in addition to tilting it in those directions. It's just weird. So yeah, this it's, means it's really uh, jarring, though. Hmm. The, the result of this calculation is that they are going home, and everybody's very happy about this. Happy uh, New Year! Cheater and Primal do a little dance. <laughs> that is Rhinox has a party horn from somewhere. Where did he get the party yeah. horn? Wait, what they had those? those in the ship, just in case. Are those actually called party horns? I can never remember what they're. Uh, I looked it up. They are called party horns. Called. Okay, it's party horns. They, they have a bunch of other names too, but party horn is at least a name for them. I used to have, and it makes sense because uh, he's a rhino. So of course he'd have a party horn. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Wah, wah, wah. <sighs> uh, and the... uh, also, uh, Primal calls Cheetor little buddy, which I find endearing. <laughs> Their dosy doing is amazing. Yes, <laughs> pretty cute. And uh, yeah, Silverbolt's a little—he's uh, a little introspective about this because uh, you know it's the home he has never known. Yeah, everybody else is happy. He's a little melancholy. It's like, we're going where? I don't know. And also his mind is he a little elsewhere because, uh, you know, he's he has an imminent booty call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, but we'll I, get to that later. Silverbolt really does sort of take on the role that Tigatron played in these yeah. episodes in the first yeah. season where they thought they were going home. Like he, he, he's the kindest Maximal. Yeah. Rat Trap jumps on him and kisses him before inviting him to a nudie bar. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, this is... Uh, uh, <laughs> what's the quote here? Ah, uh, yes. It is... Uh, it's a little place where you can get dirty mech fluid mixed with just a touch of radium. And Cheetor is listening in on this, so he lowers his voice a little. Cheetor has the best look on his face. Like, huh? Like, oh, boy. I really want to go to this dive bar with Rat Trap. <laughs> 
And not only that, but the serving bots are walking around minus their torso plates. You know what I mean. Which, Which... And he taps on Silverbolt's chest. <laughs> Just... What? Uh... He's so filthy in this episode. It's oh, I... filthy, but it's also weird. It's it's like he's talking about a topless bar, but if you take the top plate off of a robot, then... There's still more robot on, and they're there in gears. I mean, yes, but it's the sexy part of the robot. Don't you know anything about <laughs> robots? Exposed wires and gears? <laughs> Haven't like, you ever watched let's... Futurama? <laughs> so what? Oh, it's, like... uh, Bender looking at the at the uh, centerfold of a circuit diagram. <laughs> like C-3PO's wearing a belly shirt and his wires are showing all the time. What? Well, I mean, he's I don't, he's clearly gay. I'm just. I mean, to listen. Think. This episode is going to be raising a lot of questions about robot sexuality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want to know why Rat Trap thought he needed to hide what he was talking about from the horny teenager bot and not oh, from the technically younger stick in the mud. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a teenager, but he's also kind of a child, especially yeah. since where. Cheetor really wants to go is six lasers over Cybertron. <laughs> yes. Cheetor is basically being treated like a 12-year-old at this point. Well, say that's about acting like a 12-year-old. Yeah. That's well, yeah. I mean, as as the show, like, the writing is treating him like a 12-year-old at this point. Uh, but anyway, uh, Silverbolt responds to this, uh, this offer with, uh, oh, yes, obviously a, a veritable nexus of culture and refinement. How can I refuse? And th- the <laughs> delivery is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's another scene of Scott McNeil just insulting himself. Uh, Actually, Scott McNeil has a lot of great McNeil on McNeil scenes in this episode. Yeah, yeah. in a lot of episodes. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's especially noticeable in this episode, considering that the you know overarching plot is extremely serious. Yeah, yeah. But there are a lot of good gags in this episode. Yeah. Anyway, Megatron has also calculated the Maximals are going to, you know, Cybertron is going to detect this. And given that, you know, not only do the Maximals not like him, but he's also persona non grata with the Predacons, nothing is ha- going to come for him that he's going to like. Well, yeah, because, wait, didn't he steal the ship in the first place? Yeah, he stole it. And as we we're going to find out later in the episode, the Predacons are not thrilled with him either. <laughs> yeah, they- no. And anyway, Inferno reports that, uh, you know, those cavemen they tried to kill back in Kotohiro are scattered, so there's no way they can hunt them all down now. And so Megatron is, uh, he's doubling down on his bet. Yeah, which, what, he's got a Xanatos gambit going on, what? He has one other high-risk option remaining, a gamble. <laughs> and that high-risk option is creep shots of Black Arachnia. Yeah. Yeah, People see, are this always is... filming her, it's weird. This is something that that I realize is is another trope, but the the conveniently placed and or edited security cameras. Where is this camera feed coming from? That is like she's I mean, walking into the camera. Is it buzzing right in her face? <laughs> Does she not know? She doesn't seem to notice. Well, remember he put that invisible tracking device on her back in uh, Bad Spark. So maybe he also has invisible little flying cameras. That's... I wouldn't put it past him. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Predacons do seem to have cloaking device tech, as we'll see. Oh, maybe that's yes. the last thing Scorponok did before he bit the big lava bath. Oh, made a bunch of invisible cameras. Yeah, he, he finally <laughs> upgraded his little drone bees into smaller size and invisible. They got much better video footage now. Yes. Yeah. No longer looks I mean, like be... uh, footage from Clerks. <laughs> 
to be fair, it, it could be just, you know, small enough to be functionally invisible. Yes. He could have nano cameras. I'm sorry, I'm just imagining Scorponok yelling in agony as he sinks into love that I wasn't even supposed to be here today. It's <laughs> 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 oh, like that uh, that rejected alternate ending, which would have spared us clerks, too. Oh, I liked clerks, too. Mm. It's, okay. mm. <laughs> it's anyway. better than I Kevin Smith's done since clerks, too. Well, I mean, okay. Well, yes, but it's not saying a lot. Has he done anything? Well, he did that movie where uh, Justin Long gets turned into a walrus. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I guess Clark's Throw was the last thing he did that was over. I mean, apparently the climactic battle of that is set to uh, Fleetwood Mac's Tusk, which kind of makes me want to watch it. it. It kind of makes me think it should be a funny or die sketch, not a movie. Well, yes. Anyway, Silverbolt is uh, flying out to a secluded location where uh, he gets a gun pulled on him, but it turns out it's just sexy roleplay, because it's Black Arachnia, and they're a thing now. Yeah, and she says, I thought the gun would make it easier. Like, what are you into, Silverbolt? What? Well, I think the the implication was that, you know, he's, as, as we discover, you know, seconds after that, he's brought her apart. It's, that, I believe it's a hockey like, puck. Yeah, he brought, <laughs> he brought her a glowing hockey puck. So presumably, if she pretended that she was taking it from him by force, maybe that would make him feel better about the whole thing. She's just more into role-playing than he is. I think that's it. Also, I, I he's think got he's... this hidden in like a little compartment in his chest, and he's like entirely hollow in the, under there. Yeah, it's like yeah, there, it's, people would have their sparks. It's toy accurate. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. the best part. It's under his his uh, melted cheese. It's under his grilled cheese. <laughs> that kind of looked like a toaster oven. I always yeah. thought it was like a scarf, but yeah, it's melted cheese looking. It's, it's grilled cheese. <laughs> it's a grilled cheese sandwich. Poor silver. <laughs> yeah, see, that, that folds down, and it's just toy accurate empty beneath his head. Yes. Between his shoulders. <laughs> Yeah, as opposed to toy accurate, as opposed to toy accurate hollow inside his head, which kind of comes up later in the episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's so he tells you, you know, Maximals are coming for us, and you can join with us, and you can be a Maximal, and they can reprogram you. Which, no. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's, wrong, ooh. wrong choice of words there, dude. Yeah. yeah, but no, she she likes being herself, and uh, Silverboat likes it too, and. Then we're panning away because they're doing something. Yeah, they, well, it's great because it pans, they're clearly going to kiss each other and it pans down. And I wonder if how much of it panning down was because they didn't want to show that on this kid's show and have all the kids go ew. And how much of it was just the animators not wanting to have to figure out how to make him kiss with that snout? I guarantee you it's It's entirely because of the animators. Humanoids kiss in CG. Yes. It is entirely the latter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah <laughs> they didn't want to have to. They didn't want to have to animate it, but but it also it lends a thing to like like old Hollywood movies how you would cut away, like you just show their feet and you just show. And, and, and she does the thing where she raises one leg, and yes. she drops the, the hockey puck as if it were her panties, and also her gun. Yeah, it's kind of like a Bond movie. Yeah, but but also he's he's got a, a furry mouth. He's got a snout. Yeah, that is. Yeah. 
I don't know how that's happening. I mean, if he's like a dog, there's probably a lot of tongue involved, which <laughs> well, he, I think we're all happier not seeing. Yeah, it kind of helps. Yeah. She has the snout because her face is behind that plate. Her lips are set back. <laughs> so it's complicated. There are a lot of logistics here that I think just the animators and also everyone else just didn't want to get involved with. Yeah. Plus, they probably didn't want to answer answer the question whether or not she scratches him behind the ear while she's kissing him. <laughs> well, in that case, he would have been raising his leg and like scratching himself. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so great. Yeah. So, do you think she ties him up later? I almost certainly yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I mean, this, this is. Spider. I mean, this is. I think the closest we have got, or will likely ever get, to straight-up row-boning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, as not. is definitely implied by Rat Trap later on, they're not just kissing. <laughs> it's not the closest we get, though. Really? Uh, one of the Bay movies has leg-humping from a robot. Okay, uh, that's... Yeah. Uh, that's not... <laughs> Reproductive or oh. consensual. Yeah, we we prefer to forget the Bay movies, really. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for something that we almost never get on Beast Wars: generics. I love Yay! generics. I love these guys. I I want a toy of them so bad. Well, I mean, well, you'll be able to buy one that makes the mistake of thinking that the red lighting is actually their color scheme. No, no, months. no. The, the, well, we didn't get to those guys yet. The, the generic guys. Um. Oh, yeah, we got to uh, like a, spa- a space station. It's got a bunch of generics in it. The trans warp wave hits it, and everything goes all turbulency. Oh, did, oh right. Do they ever get a name? Although they're basically all the same body with just slightly different colors. Uh, they call it Predacon Command Outpost One. Oh, the, the place? No, but I mean the guys in the place. Oh, the, oh no, they're, no, they're just a bunch of generics. Oh, does the wiki just, even have a page know, for them? Predacons. Well, no, because it's just generics. Oh. They're just a bunch of Predacons. Oh. It is you cool know. to see them. I like their design. I mean, they're they just got, like, like recycled models. Probably a bunch of reboot parts in there. Yeah. Yeah. I like the design of the space station, too. It is yeah. neat looking. It uh, specifically has kind of like, it's like a three-pronged claw, which is appropriate because that is where the Tri-Predicus Council meets. Yeah. Here, <gasps> everybody, think... new characters, kind of. So, Watching it again, I think some of those generics might have been the uh, pre-Earth modes of some of the Season 1 cast. I think so, yeah. yes. Mixed mix match. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. These guys are, and they're never named on screen, and they really don't look like their toys. No. But these are apparently supposed to be Ramhorn, C-Clamp, and Cicadacon, the super cool Predacon combiner that uh, was released as a toy, but uh, as up till now had not shown up on the show. So this is certainly, if if it is those characters, it's certainly a better take on that toy than the Japanese version. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> We're a mariachi band. But I mean, I, I love how dramatic this is. It's it's very red lit. Yeah. Their their seats rise up from who knows where. Yeah, they just got come this cool up table out of the. They've got a yeah. swinging lamp hanging from the ceiling. Well, it's swinging. It's, it's a cool lighting effect. The whole place has been shaking because the the trans warp waves smacked yep. the space station. Yes, Hasbro specifically asked for them not to use the uh, Tripredicus individual names because it didn't look enough like the toys. 
Okay. Interesting. Anyway, I, I will note, and this is this is my deep cuts here. This is my my being a huge nerd. But the one in the middle has, I, I guess that's C-Clan? No, that's not C-Clan. No, that's... Cicadacon? Yes. He's, he's got like this great, like, wing helmet thing going on. And the thing that that reminds me of more than anything else is that a year before this came out, so it's possible that this could have been an influence, in 1997, uh, the artist P. Craig Russell did a... Uh, an adaptation of Michael Moorcock's novel Stormbringer, in, in which the, the main character Elric had a helmet that I swear looked just like that. It had like a dragon and these dragon wings that went back exactly like that. So, uh, I, yeah. I thought that that actually kind of reminds me more of, um, well, I don't know what he was called, but like the Dungeons and Dragons, didn't they have miniatures and there was a bad guy who had that uh, hat? Venger? No, 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 I'm... no. It was, it was, the, he was in armor. He wasn't Vinger. Oh, okay. I'm I'm going to assume that that was also inspired by P. Craig Russell's Elric helmet. Quite possible. Uh, I, I was just thinking it kind of looked like, uh, was it a Mazinger Z? That kind of the bad Mazinger. Wings on the helmet? Yeah. Maz- Mazinger. Mm, no? Maybe oh, thinking maybe. of Devil Man? Maybe I'm thinking of Devil Man. Yeah, that's I don't, I, I don't know what the anime is. <laughs> Anyway, there's also a big guy who has like a, a something on a, like a big medallion on a chain around his neck, which I like to think is a clock. That is Cicada Clamp. <laughs> okay, let, let's let's get a and yeah, I, going from left to right, it's Sea Clamp. Ram Horn is the one with the bad ears, and yeah, Cicada Con is the one with the horns, okay. wearing, wearing the big chain and the medal on his chest. Yes. I really hope the bot concept includes a medallion for him. I'm sure it won't, but... No, but... Yeah, boy. <laughs> Actually, I should work on a 3D printable one of those. Yeah. And maybe... And also there's C-Clamp, who kind of makes me think of the Emperor from Star Wars. Yeah, he's... The deformed head kind of does that, yeah. He's or like Mr. Burns. Melty. And he's kind of got like a robe, sort of. No, 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 no. The other two guys are wearing sleeveless robes, but C-Clamp is wearing a barnacle. Yeah, he is kind of wearing a barnacle. Maybe they forgot what uh, animal he turned into. <laughs> what is the weird writing on the table? I think, is it like Cybertronics? Is maybe. It? it doesn't seem to be translated. I mean, maybe you never really get a good shot of it. It looks cool. No, you definitely get a good, shot, a good of shot of it from above, but it, it kind of looks more I mean, like runic yeah. script because uh, they're weird angles. Cybertronics is, what, more curvy, I think. Also, in that top shot, they do not hide at all that they blocked this scene for a camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this is super cool. We've got uh, our usual voice actors kind of doing some generic bad guy voices, plus uh, Lee Tokar, who we'll be seeing later. Yes. Hearing later. And he's in a ton of, you know, Canadian recorded uh, animated shows. Uh, but yeah, so but, they... But what's the end of The Outer Limits? He was almost certainly on The Other Limits. And probably on Stargate. Yeah. yeah. Maybe The X-Files. If it was shot in Vancouver, he's probably in it. Yeah. Was he ever on Highlander? I'm going to say yes. Hopefully doing the same accent he does on the show. <gasps> yes. Anyway, so they they detect this wave first, and they know, you know, now we know where Megatron is, but we don't want the Maximals to get there first. So they detonate one of their satellites to disrupt the wave so that it just passes by Cybertron. 
And, you know, they're not too thrilled with Megatron, given the diplomatic repercussions they had to suffer from the uh, the Maximals. <laughs> oh, yes. Talk of the diplomatic embargoes and trade. <laughs> Is this episode There's one? A... Kind of. Yes. Yeah, but it's only for like 10 seconds where afterwards they go. They just make weird hissing noises. And, <laughs> yeah. There's one point. slightly racist she... voice that comes up later, but it's okay. Yeah. It's not a fist. This is exactly the right way to handle those kind of politics. Mention they exist, don't go into details, keep the plot moving. Yes. yes. We don't want to hear about how you had to drop your tariffs on Energon cubes. <laughs> you really don't. So, there is an element of world building that I'm curious about here, but... It's not brought up by the show, and I don't think it needed to be brought up by the show, but... So was the uh, Predacon ship stolen from the Maximals? I think so. I think so, although I don't know. Because, because the implication it... they give is that their uh, transwarp cruiser is like the first Predacon transwarp ship. Well, the uh. one... The mm. thing that blew up was Stasis Pod... Tarantulas had cobbled together hmm. with a transwarp fuel cell. Right, a transwarp right. fuel cell from the Predacons, yeah. or well, from the Predacon ship. At least that's the that's the transwarp explosion, right? Yeah, right. Like the thing they're detecting is the transwarp signature, and that came from a a transwarp cell on the Predacon ship. Yeah. Hmm. So presumably that's what they would have, and I guess they expect. That the Maximals would detect that first, but I, both sides are able to track it and figure out what it is. And well, it was I mean, a diplomatic incident. Then, like asking, is it the Predacon yeah. ship by virtue of the Predacon stole it, or was it a Predacon ship to begin with? I have to assume it's the Predacon ship because it looks like a bad guy ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. I mean, it's a little simplistic, but that's usually how these things work. It's all uh, yeah. you know, pointy and evil looking. On the other hand, I it's know, also a lot of... like the uh, ship in Galaxy Quest. That's true. Hmm. Anyway, so they now that uh, the ma- they don't have to worry about the Maximals, they do still want to send somebody there uh, to kill everybody. Yes. Well, kind of. They 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 end it with terminate with extreme prejudice. If it should come to that, it's like they, they. It's hard to tell from this scene exactly what they want, other than. Focusing on Megatron. It's like, I mean, they don't really care about the Maximals. Not really, no. They, they want Megatron and, back because he's kind of a criminal. He's brilliant, but a rogue. Yes. Oh, no. As long as he's not a gambit, then I'm okay. <laughs> Nobody wants him to be a gambit. And I think boy, I think the, the rogue accent would actually be worse than the terrible Schwarzenegger impression I was doing earlier in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just be calling everybody sugar. Anyway, they send him uh, in this uh, super cool-looking invisible ship. They send Uh, their little agent. Yes. Very cool. If Megatron is still operating his own agenda to terminate with extreme prejudice. Yes. Yes. It was the 90s, so, you know, extreme Uh prejudice. Well, I mean, that's, that's directed from Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that line said by a, a young Harrison Ford. Oh. Oh, oh. oh and uh, I, I also just one last observation on the Tripartite Council is that they really remind me of that uh, robot council on Futurama. 
Silence. Mm. Yeah. Expect them to start love... talking about the crippling lug nut shortage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Cicadacon grabbing the lamp to stop it from swinging at the end. Yes. To end the scene. He's just mm. like, damn it, stop. <laughs> I just love these guys. Such a short scene and such a lot packed into it. Yeah. Yes. Such yeah, it simple is monumental for as simple as it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back at the maximal base, uh, Silverbolt is back, and uh, Rat Trap seems to have a good idea of where he's been. Oh, he does have a good <laughs> nose on. What? No, no it's... Scout the enemy. He's yeah, throwing he's in the on scout patrol. Oh, yeah, yeah, scout the enemy, yeah. Uh, find any new positions? <laughs> he knows <laughs> what's going on. I'm not Someone sure. The way floors him. Afterwards, it's like Rat Trap was guessing and is surprised that he was right. Yes, it, it's like Rat Trap was like throwing innuendo at him because he thought something was going on, but he had no proof until he gets stomped on the floor. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was right. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, he, he had, I mean, you know, you're not just going to guess that. Well, no, but he's got the best nose out of the entire Maximal crew. Oh, does he smell like her perfume or... Uh, something else. What? what? Yeah. You can smell any John Wick. <laughs> Don't think too hard about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's possible. This goes back to the whole thing, like, with Rampage and how, like, obviously stuff happened between episodes. It it may well be that things, I mean, clearly things have been happening between episodes Black Arachne and Silverbolt to, to develop things to this point. So it's entirely possible that, you know, Rat Trap has picked up on what's going on. I mean, he's a smart guy, especially when it comes to terrible things. Yeah. Yes. The seedier it is, the better Rat Trap is at it. Yes. Yep. So so now they know that, you know, the maximal help is, they believe, imminent. So Megatron is going to attack right now. And yeah. it just so happens that the Inferno and Waspinator are setting up some kind of computer thing. I love that. It's like Waspinator's building his first science lab. Like, yeah. they're very carefully setting this thing up. Yeah. They're, the and, thing is, they're, like, behind, there's, like, a, a rocky ledge or something between them and the Axelon, so they're out of direct sight of the Axelon. Presumably, Silverbolt just flew in. So how did he... Well, okay, I, I mean, I guess we know how he, he was kind of distracted. But you would think he would have seen them when he flew in, but apparently yeah. not. Or maybe they only started setting up after he flew in. Maybe. Maybe it didn't take long. Also, I love that Silverbolt took a swing at Rat Trap. <laughs> and after the pull-apart part of the brawl happens, Optimus is just like, eh, yeah, Rat Trap probably deserved it. I don't know what he said, but I'm sure it was justified. I like that he says this isn't the time, as if to imply that there is a time when it is appropriate to beat up on Rat Trap. Well, a lot of people have done it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there there kind of is a time when it's appropriate to beat up on Rat Trap. He deserves it. Yep. Right, and then Primal has a line about the Predacons planning something subtle. And then Protoform X is not subtle at all. Yes, Rampage. He says something about the, you know, they're, they're going to attack and it may be subtle. And then Rampage in his tank mode just comes up like this stone ramp and just lands on Waspinator in Inferno's science project. And then just, okay, he's he's got his three missile barrels. The one at the bottom so has, like, a poison symbol on it, like a skull and crossbones. 
Then one has a peace sign, and then the top one has, like, a little atomic sign. <laughs> and then he fires on the base. It's not subtle. <laughs> no. And it makes a huge explosion. Yeah. Which takes out, like, 50% of their shields in those three hits. Yes. And, and uh, Rattrap's uh, asking, you know, well, now what do we do? And Silverboard has a line that actually made me have to pause it for a little bit because I was laughing embarrassingly hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, given our proximity, I breathe through my mouth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had to, act, I had to pause it because, like, like, for a second, it's like, wait, what was he? It took me an actual second to like get. Oh, it's a rat stink joke. The Silverboard was making a joke in the middle of combat. It's just so perfectly <laughs> timed and delivered. It's yeah. very good. It is, and I'm not 100% sure it's a joke. <laughs> it's true. But, but with the speed and, and just the quickness, it's like, I almost feel like Scott did that live in the thing, and it wasn't in the script. <laughs> I'd believe that. Just so off the cuff. But uh, luckily, the Maximals have reinforcements. Invisible reinforcements. Yeah. Something from above is just shooting at the Predacons, and they take off. Yeah. And we get to see Quick Strike again. What in tarnation? Yes, we get a good old what in tarnation. When was the last <laughs> time we saw him? It's been a while. We didn't see him last episode. No, he was in um, he was in Code of Hero. Oh yeah, he was in Code of Hero. But he was he wasn't in the episode before that. No, he was not in uh, that. And then he wasn't in a whole lot of uh, other visits either. No. But anyway, yeah, we get them and. Uh, I'll just probably decide that, uh, you know, if they had, if whoever this invisible person, possibly Wonder Woman, uh, had, uh, if they'd wanted to destroy them, they would have attacked. So he just opens the, uh, drops the shields and opens the skylight. It, it's very strange logic, but it kind of makes sense since they probably only have like 10% of their shields left. They could blow them away anyway. Yeah. yeah. So they open it up and it's not just the ship that's invisible, it's the guy that's invisible. And he's also got laser sights, so that's not good. Yeah, it's basically just this, no one is standing there in in the, the hatchway, but then these two red laser sights start seeking things oh, out. Yep. Someone's seen Predator. Yep. It's pretty great. I, I love the invisibility effect on the ship. Yes. Yeah. It's gorgeous, and I'm not sure if it would have been easy or really difficult to do at the time based on the technology, because... I feel like that kind of uh, cell shading effect wasn't common to just do the uh, flat 2D line that's properly in perspective based on the alignment of the thing. Is it, yeah. well, how did they even do it? Was Is it like how they do the blur effects and do two layers? Like they have the ship on a separate layer and then just start fading it out? Well, I mean, it's doing, it's rendering the edge of the ship. Yeah. And then certain areas that it's defined as like important edges, so... So um, I actually like to see how they did that in whatever software package they did, but I doubt I ever will get to. Yeah, like I can think of ways I'd do that now in more modern stuff, but yeah, layer that like, looks like a really really good execution for the time. Yeah. Like somebody went in by hand and did a lot of really interesting tweaks to make sure that worked the way it did. Yeah, because it's not like they're just showing the wireframe of the ship. Yeah, it's a very selective, almost illustrated, and mm-hmm. it transitions through the perspective of the shot perfectly without screwing anything up. So, really impressive. Yeah. And uh, 
equally impressive are Optimus Primal's deductive abilities, because apparently mm-hmm. solely from seeing that his uh, their visitor is invisible, he, he you know, reminisces about uh, how he's heard that uh, after the Great War, most of the Decepticons were granted amnesty but uh, and retired, but one of them was rebuilt as a Predacon. <laughs> and I guess he's the only invisible guy on Cybertron. Well, it's Because possible. he's right, and that guy is Ravage. We said he's rebuilt Ravage. Broke. Which is all odd, but yeah. Well, how many invisible guys were even in G1? Two? Uh, yeah, Mirage and Ravage. So presumably it's still just Mirage probably dead. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Well, Mirage isn't dead. He's probably back on Cybertron hunting Robofoxes. <laughs> <laughs> Turbo Foxes. There we Turbo. Oh, my bad. <laughs> the ship was full. <laughs> and Ravage is one hell of a shot here. With his high-priced friends. I forgot about Mirage's high-priced friends. (laughs) He's just doing the old shooting the guns out of everybody's hands, and it's super cool. It's, yeah, Ravage is, he's he's a badass here. He's full-on super spy. Yes. And uh, a specific kind of spy comrade. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a thick Russian accent. He has a super thick Russian accent, and it's great. It's pretty great. Not that realistic, but it is great. Yes. I mean, Although, at this point, if he was going to be a red, wouldn't that make him a maximal? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. remember, it's super realistic because remember, uh, half of G one was voice actors doing bad accents. Yeah. And, uh, the other half was actors doing bad impressions of dead actors. <laughs> well, they yeah. were dead at the time. So Some of them it's were. yeah. So it's either this or like a Vincent Price impression. <laughs> oh, yeah. You say that like that's a bad thing. That's true. That, be bad. that, that really wouldn't work for Ravage as much. No, it wouldn't work for Ravage, but I could see. It, it was very... It was especially interesting because... I mean, at, at the time, back in the old days, the, <laughs> the cartoon, the G1 cartoon continuity was sort of thought of as as the default, and the comic was... And I've talked before about how, you know... Beast Wars does acknowledge both of them in in a way that you can sort of pretend that it's either one. Uh, but something about Ravage was that, of course, in the G1 cartoon, he was barely a character. I mean, he didn't talk. He was an animal. He made uh, Frank Welker animal noises. Yeah, yeah he, he made Frank Welker animal noises. <laughs> and so it was... So in, in the comic, though... Actually, and, and this, I think, got got pointed out at some point in, in the UK stuff. He basically <laughs> fell in a hole in, like, issue 20 <laughs> and was forgotten about for, like, 40 issues. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, he, he, when he finally shows up, he's with Scorponox Group on Earth. And that's after, I'm, I'm like, thinking, thinking out loud here, that's after Matrix Quest. So yeah, we're we're talking in the late sixties here, late late sixties, seventies ish here that he actually shows up again. So for about fifty issues, he was just in a hole. <laughs> and uh but before he fell in a hole and after he was retrieved from the hole, he was a character with like actual speaking lines and stuff. So the idea of having Ravage as a a sentient well you know, as basically as a non-animal character was something that drew a lot more from 
from the comics than for, mm-hmm. from the cartoon. Yeah. So that was interesting. And portraying him as Russian kind of makes a lot of sense because, well, like, there was a four million year long war, an eternal cold war. Yeah. And, and, and was, we really get the sense from the Tripredicus Council that it's a cold war between the Predacons and the Maximals. Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, I, I, I think the joke there was that the Maximal symbol is red. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it started. Yeah, that was the uh, really basic joke I was going for. That was the, the initial joke, which sadly I have now explained for you. That's ruining it. Uh, it wasn't that good a joke to begin with. He couldn't have ruined it more than I already did. Well, if if the Maximals are going to be the, the Reds, then, then the Predacons have to be the purple, white, and blue? <laughs> I think the Maximal logo was usually green on the toys. Yeah. But the Autobots were red. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, Which is interesting, we, we, yes. considering it started in the 80s when red That's was true. associated with communism. Yes. Well, the primary colors were associated with America, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what matters more to me, as someone who was a diehard comic person back in the 90s, was that this drew more, even just that little tiny bit, drew more from the... Uh, I don't think he ever actually just straight up turned invisible in the cartoon either. No, he no, was I think... hide in shadows. Didn't he have like, oh, what is it, tech spec thing, like concealment circuits or something? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And that definitely comes into play a lot now that he's in more than meets the eye, which has mm-hmm. been the first piece of Transformers fiction, which made me even vaguely tempted to name my black kitten Ravage. <laughs> <laughs> I always liked Ravage as a kid because I had him, and it's like he shows up here. It's like, oh my god, Ravage! He's still got a cat head. Why does he have a cat head? Yeah, he's he's, he's basically the transmetal Cheetor model with uh, regular hands and a cat head instead of his robot head. Yeah, yes. And which, they would later do that as the toy. Yes. yes. Yeah, which does kind of make it odd since he makes a comment that the Maximals look kind of weird. Do I mean, you have a cat? Have... He said they looked different. Than, than yeah. he expected. Which really just means that they don't look like his original files on them, which is fair enough, really. Yeah, it's true. It's But his delivery is kind of like, wow, you guys look like animals. You look like an animal. <laughs> He's more commenting on them being transmetal. Yeah, that's yeah. what I figured. Because he, it's some of them, not all of them. Presumably Rhinox looks, oh yeah, that's it's, Rhinox. Yeah. Or whatever his pre-Rhinox name was. Tankoff? I, I have no contribution to that Well, set. if it was Tank Ox, then the Maximals in Beast Machines are really stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is the mysterious Tank Or? Could he be our old friend Tank Ox? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the Maximals in Beast Machines are really stupid. Okay, true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's also kind of got guns that kind of look like his old weapons on his toy, which is neat. Yeah. And uh, it turns out the Rat Trap also hates Decepticons. Yeah, that's not a shock. Well. But the Ravage is actually super friendly and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he shows up and he's like, hey, you know, I, I'm also after Megatron. Let's work together on this. Yeah. Yeah, apologies for the whole Megatron thing. We're, uh, we're super sorry about that. But then he also lies and says that the Maximals just couldn't detect the uh, transwarp signature. Uh, well, that's not wave. really a lie. They couldn't detect it, and maybe he doesn't. Well, they couldn't detect it because they were stopped from detecting. Yes. It. Yeah. yeah. And it's I also wonder if that's kind machine. of crack uh, on you know how Russians in fiction invariably insist on the superiority of Russian technology, like like uh, Chekhov in Star Trek. 
Well, yeah. Well, it is kind of thing. Like the Russian spies were actually better spies. They had a better spy network set up in America. They won the spy game. They just lost the Cold War. Sure, and that uh, that that Barbara Bach in uh, Spy Who Loved Me was uh, way better than James Bond. <laughs> yeah, James Bond not that good at the actual business of being a spy. No. <laughs> If you I mean, don't that, that, want your target dead and every woman approximately involved slept with, maybe hire someone else. You know, yeah. send 0012. <laughs> but, you know, if you've got to deal with uh, Christopher Walken and his uh, evil blimp, maybe send James Bond. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Max Zorin. Oh, well, if you got a is... showy villain, you send a showy hero. That's true. That's true. So anyway, back at the Predacon base, uh, Black Arachne is making a stasis pod fly yeah, she with built a- uh, that hockey puck she got from Silverbolt. Yeah, she plugs it in and it floats. Yes. And then uh, Megatron calls her in. Yeah. Because uh, something's going on in Subsector Hooks. Hey, I know that name. Or, well, I've heard that name. I've heard, wait, who's Hooks? Hooks. Uh, Hooks. Please explain to us who Hooks is. Uh, yes, he is someone who was involved in Altoys Transformers back in the day. Uh, he was Californian, and so he actually, uh, I believe he he ran into Bob Ford a couple times because Bob Forward. Actually, the the one thing you notice seeing Bob Forward at BotCon is that he is very Californian. He just has that look like he's been out, like, maybe hiking up some mountains and then coming home and I don't know. Like, he, he just feels very Californian in that sort of vaguely rugged yet suburban way. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he was someone who was on All Toys Transformers and who got to be pretty good buddies with uh, both of them, both Larry and Bob, but especially Bob. Uh, so he's... He's round about the, the fandom every so often. He's the, the ever-elusive hooks. Yes, he has only been to, I think, one BotCon. Uh, oh. and, and, and you're sure that wasn't Brian Kilby in disguise? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, I think there, we would have noticed if it was... But I, I, I think it was <laughs> given that, that Hooks is a black person. Seeing Brian Kilby in blackface would be pretty noticeable. On the other hand, I've Ooh. never seen the two of them in the same place at the same time. True. That's true. That's true. I, I do actually have a photo of Hooks at BotCon, so I, I can say that that he that was him that one year, unless it was just a really impressive disguise. I, I assume it's black and white and super grainy, like that picture of the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> there was a picture of a submarine. Yeah, it's actually a picture of a toy submarine with a Hooks head on it. <laughs> <laughs> and Hooks is just his last name, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's oh. James Hooks. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Megatron's called Black Ragni in, uh, bellowing amusingly. You bellowed? You bellowed? Yes. I think I've actually used that line in college quite often. <laughs> it's like a roommate, like one of my roommates would say something, say something in the distance. I come back in into the like in the kitchen, like they're making food. You bellowed? <laughs> yeah, it was. It's a pretty impressive bellow. Yeah, and and he notes that she wasn't around for that uh, that fight. But uh, and so you know he sends everybody out to, to fortify the base, and then he gives Wasmater a special mission because that can only end well for Wasmater. Oh, he's so oh, excited yeah. about it too. And more use of the blur effect of characters in the background. Yes. So the, the production values in this episode are better. 
Yeah. Yes. Oh, animation is gorgeous. Yeah, well, it's a season ender, so basically yeah. all of the budget they still had left. Just yeah. Pour but it out. It's a three. Cancel parts? the office pizza party. I mean, like, you, well, you got to render a ravage. They made three <laughs> new characters. Well, four new characters. Yeah. Good counting. Yeah, plus a bunch of generics. generics. And yeah. uh, actually, we're going to get a bunch of other models uh, in part three. Yeah. And there's a whole new ship they had to build. They did a lot for these last three episodes. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they had budgeted at some point for uh, a double season like season one, and yeah. they just had all this money left over, so yeah. they just threw it at this episode. Goodness. All right, so as as Megatron predicts, the Maximals are attacking. They're all loaded onto the uh, the Transwarp cruiser, and uh, you know the, he says you know the ship's got several advantages, and uh, there's also another advantage inside the Predacon base. Meanwhile, a Tarantula's lair. We got one! <laughs> yeah, Tarantula shows up. Flips and, out into... Pots pounds on the alarm. Tarantulas go sliding down the fire pole. <laughs> into the Ecto-1, and he is off. Oh, yep. I, I really like the way Ravage's ship converts to camouflage mode. It is so cool. And apparently it's not the ship doesn't have the invisible ability power. He has the invisible power, and he yeah, can extend he, it to the, the whole ship. Best he plugs part. his hands into it, but the, it's so weird that even the crew, the, well, not the crew, but the Maximals on the ship are invisible to themselves when this happens. And yeah. It's so it's, weird. That makes sense, but it's creepy. Yeah, just would, the, the way the that it would just be the outside of the ship, but no, yeah. it's inside it too. Yes. Yeah, because first Ravage turns invisible, then the ship where he's plugged his hands in starts to turn invisible, then it fades back and slowly creeps up, and the invisibility devours the Maximals. And the Maximals are kind of not cool with it, well, like, especially not Cheetor. Yeah. Yes. And speaking of things Cheetor isn't cool with, uh, the plan is to just drop the Florida under from the Maximals so they can uh, skydive into uh, position here. And it, yeah. it's really cool. It is such oh, a badass sequence. I love Rhinox jumps out of the plane and then just lands on his feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. after Raptor uses him as a human sheet, well, a robot yeah. sheet. Again, well, yeah. like like I said, I've been playing too much Fallout 4, so it, that was definitely a, a power armor yes. jump and land. Just yes. Whoa. Was just so Trap is definitely using Rhinox's power armor. Yes. And also, Cheetor has to be pushed out of the ship, even though he can fly. Yep. Yeah, that, that's the best part, because <laughs> the first um, Silverbolt, Primal, and Rattrap fall out. Rat, Primal and Silverbolt convert to flight mode, and then Rattrap has to grab onto Rhinox, who jumped out last... After cheat or was it or Silverbolt last? At Silverbolt, Silver who has to push Silver. Cheetor out yeah. of the ship. Okay, but but yeah, and and then just Rat Traps clinging onto to Rhinox as he crash lands feet first. He doesn't need a flight mode. And then Cheetor yes. remembers, oh, I have a flight mode. Too late. He completely wily coyotes into the ground. He completely <laughs> he wily coyotes into the ground, and then his flight mode deploys and shoots him into a rock. Yes. As he's yes. falling, he's like Cheetor, like. Like jets, maximum burn, and then his, he hits the ground, and then his his jets come on, and then he just it just drags him. It might be the dumbest thing Cheetor's ever done, but it's I think it's also the biggest laugh the entire show's gotten out of me. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ah, poor Cheetor. Good. 
Yeah. So yeah, Rampage gets blown up. Uh, Black Arachnia takes off in her flying stasis pod. Silverbolt gets the order to shoot her down and doesn't. It's, it's a pretty good fight. Most of the Maximals are taking out the Predacons quickly, except Cheetor screws up again. He gets shot by the auto guns, and Waspinator's all... <laughs> and at this point, Waspinator has a tongue in bug mode. Yeah, That's this never is happened before. <laughs> upsetting. It's weird. So many tongues. Because he also has one in robot mode, as we find out later. Well, yeah, and a lot of tongue. I guess... <laughs> It's rolled up like a fruit by the foot. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, she takes off. Uh, Ravage just starts pummeling the Predacon ship with uh, with his ship's blasters. Yep. But Megatron is still giving orders, uh, up to the point he gets bound in the crimson rings of Ragador. Yeah, because the computers in, in the base are just shorting out. I bet he, he, bet he misses IT Scorponok now. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I guess like somebody the, seems to have shut down the base's computers. Who could I, it be? The, the, the base is being buffeted with all these explosions, and he's just in his floaty chair, just, like, bouncing around. Yes. <laughs> in floaty chair. It's like, Megatron, get out of your floaty chair and go fight something. Yes. No. And in the name of the Pax Cybertronia and the Predacon Alliance, Ravage places Megatron under arrest. <laughs> so, hey, show's over. Yep, the Beast Wars are over. Megatron, you lose. Apparently in the Japanese version of this, I the, the way this was presented to me back in the day is that, that Ravage would just say meow after everything. I, I assume <laughs> that what he was actually saying was nyan, which would yeah. be the, the Japanese yeah. meow. But uh, th- there was something, I, I should have looked this up earlier, but there was something about him that 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 became attached to the phrase "you're under arrest, meow." <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just picturing that scene. Yeah. Uh, it's like that scene in Super Troopers where he's uh, dared to arrest Megatron while using uh, the word "meow" as many times <laughs> as possible. Yeah, I, it, it was kind of like that. I we we have mentioned before about how the Japanese translation of Beast Wars was not as serious as the yeah. Beast and, and somehow and that's comedic. that's one thing is that he would say Nian after all his lines, including oh, arrest Nian. That was the episode title. Yes, that's right. That's what it was. The episode <laughs> title yeah. for the Japanese airing of it was "You're Under Arrest, Nian." Well, apparently the second part is called "I Do Love You." Oh, actually, I guess it makes sense with the rest of the. But you're under arrest, meow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, that just tickles me in the right way. <laughs> I'm just wondering what a Japanese-Russian accent sounds like. Probably. Oh, I'm not even going to try. Oh, but it's so not, Ravage fights crime in any time. It's, it's wonderful. Oh, well, now I want to seem as like the partner to barricade. <laughs> Actually, I, I just pulled up the, the TF Wiki stuff, and, and Seasons 2 and 3 were called Beast Wars Medals over there. Yeah. And it mentions that <laughs> throughout since the above episodes were released theatrically, they are not included in the show's proper 26-episode list, with their places being taken by two original clip shows. Episode 14, Where is the Banana? <laughs> 26, 
remix, I lost the banana. Based <laughs> <laughs> on VHS with an, with an episode called "I'm a Crab." I think that's Bad Spark. Probably. <laughs> Pan. Oh no! Wait, no, no. That's that's the uh, that's the title of Transmutate. <laughs> I am a crab. Really? Yeah. That's. <laughs> oh. They they didn't take this season quite as seriously as as America did, I guess. So, yeah, that is it for uh, the agenda part one. This it is. is an amazing kickoff to an amazing three-parter. Yes. Yeah, it, it was hard to resist not to just watch the next episode. Yes. Which was odd, because this actually felt like a longer episode, because, again, more There's stuff, so much stuff happening. Yeah. yeah, it's a mile a minute. Because by, by, by the time Ravage showed up in the base, I figured, okay, this is the end of the episode, because I haven't seen this in years. And it's like, oh, no, it keeps going. Yeah. It's like, oh, this that was only 17 minutes into the episode. Yeah, well, the the wiki lists the Japanese title of this episode is Taiho Dai Nya, so you're under arrest, meow. (laughs) Portuguese got The Plans Part 1, Spanish was The Agent Part 1, The Program Part 1 for French Canada, you're (laughs) under arrest, meow. (laughs) (laughs) By by Japan. So, yeah, this, this is... This is the pinnacle of of Beast Wars in general, and is one of the best episodes of Transformers in general. Yeah, it's yeah. it's good. It's got that little G one touch for all the the old school nerds. Yeah, because uh, previous episodes, like previous episodes, we just had mention of RC or other things. This time we have Ravage dropped into our lap. Yes, this is not only. On par with Possession back in season one, it, it goes beyond it to make it not just this episode is about this G1 character showing up. It's actually part of an, an important part of the ongoing plot. And, and, and there's they, great action. It's funny. Yeah. It's Cheetor falling to the ground before his jets cut on and then his jets cut on. The first partially on screen robot kiss. Yep, and the per first off-screen robot other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the first rat trap being genuinely filthy. Oh, he's so sleazy. It's amazing. Oh, it's, so bad. The torso plates off. It's just, it's so weird. <laughs> like, oh. Uh, so, and unfortunately, well, these were presented, I think, on consecutive days, uh, you're going to have to wait a whole seven days until the next exciting episode of the Stasis Pod. Sorry. What well, syndication we had to wait? That's right. They Canada, didn't have... No, actually, in Canada, they... they Actually, in Canada, no, they did show these on consecutive nights. Damn it. So, uh, sucks to be you, syndication boy. <sighs> <laughs> but now you have them on DVD. You can watch them immediately. Yes. Yeah. Go watch them right now. I might. <laughs> I'm going to resist that particular urge. Yeah, but you know, until then, you can uh, still you can contact us in all manner of ways. We are on Twitter at, at @stasispod. We're on Tumblr at stasispod.tumblr.com, and we're on Facebook at facebook.com/stasispod. 
And our RSS feed is hosted on iconunderground.net. And if you prefer, you can also get us on iTunes. And while you're there, rate and review us. And hey, if you want to write in with uh, your views on the parallels between the Cold War and the Maximal Predacon conflict, or if you like to hang out with two of your friends in a red-lit room uh, whilst wearing your giant clock on a chain, hmm. then or if you want to tell us about anything at all, then just write into the old Maxim mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. Do it, and maybe we'll read your letter on the air if it's not... As obscene as, say, most of Rat Trap's comments in this episode. <laughs> oh, who are we kidding? Even if it was, we'd probably read it. Yeah. Your erotic friend fiction, write her in. <laughs> so until... You're, oh, you're not going to surprise me. I edit romance for a living. What if it involves robots? Uh, I did have one that involved some sort of steampunk automatons one time. This will involve both robots and robots. That's fine. Mm. So here's a question before mm. we get finished. Is this the only fictional appearance of Ravage that does not have him in that one pose from the box art of his G1 tour? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. I don't even think this Ravage could get in that pose. He kind of could, but it would look silly. The now toy I'm imagining him in that. So, hey, <laughs> well, the toy art, could, send that into us. The, the toy could because it could turn into the cheetah for... Or, has the cheetah mode. Now I'm just thinking like a humanoid person doing that pose. <laughs> just kind of, you know, pouncing just... and making jazz hands. <laughs> yes. uh, so, Sorry for interrupting the ending spiel. No, no, not at all. So until next time, I'm Rob. Meow. I'm Jen. Meow. I'm Alex. Meow. And I'm David. Meow. Arrest me now. <laughs> Just as soon as he said that line, that popped into my head that that had been something. I can't believe they named the episode that. That that's the best episode title from what I can tell out of the entire Japanese release of the show. <laughs> I am a crab is dumber. It's not as good. <laughs> I am a crab. Uh, uh, actually, depending <laughs> on how they. Did his verbal tick, it wouldn't be that much different than G1 characters. But yeah. by Japan, it was probably, meow. <laughs> <laughs>